0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife. Shira. And we are really excited uh, for today's episode. We have a a set of special guests uh, that are going to be talking about one of the most requested or you know highly engaged topics that we have, which is real estate. I mean, yes. uh, a lot of people want to you know know more about it and want want to hear us talk more about it. So we we definitely are excited for today's episode. We have Jeremy and Jana on with us. How are you both doing?
0: Doing well. Baby. Doing good.
1: Doing good. That's great. That's great. And, and uh, these two are real estate investors, so they're going to be sharing a bit of their journey with us so uh, we're excited to get started
2: Yeah. so uh can we just start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself
3: okay my
1: name is jeremy lane
3: and i'm from an itty bitty town called pomeria south carolina population of maybe two three hundred people yeah and we're from atlanta okay
1: that's great that's great <laughs> And, and you know what, uh, I, I got to talk with Jeremy, uh, offline, you know, via social media and we realized we got a whole bunch in common, not only oh. uh, our taste in music, but then also like the fact that we, uh, are real estate investors and we both, we both have the same number of properties. I was like, man, this is crazy. Oh, yeah,
3: <laughs> so,
1: yeah. We want to definitely uh, tap into that. So what led you both, uh, to get started in real estate investing?
3: Well, I became an accidental landlord. Okay. So I bought my first property. This is way before we got married. uh I bought my first property in 2007. Gotcha. Um, when I bought the house, y'all remember the Great Recession, at yes. So when that happened, I bought my house for it was 138 thousand dollars. Wow. When the Great Recession, this is like July 2007, when the Great Recession happened the values dropped to maybe half. Right. Now at the time I didn't really understand what was happening. I said, wait a minute, why is my house worth half of what I paid for? It? I didn't understand. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to start house hacking. Mm. Right. So when I got into a house hacking, for those that don't know what that is, that's basically when you have roommates living in the house and they help pay your mortgage or you use that money to uh, use for down payments or other investments. Right. Uh, when I became an nice little landlord landlord, my job so in Atlanta I don't know if y'all been to Atlanta or not but yeah, the, no. the tra- okay well the traffic is crazy. Even 13 years ago the traffic was crazy <laughs> and I took a job that was about 45 minutes away and I said you know what I'm gonna buy another house but I need to rent this house out because I couldn't sell it at the time because the values weren't I still owed a lot of money on the house. Right. So that's that's how I became an
1: accidental landlord. Wow. Wow that's yeah, great. So, that, that's really dope, like uh, that strategy of, of house hacking. Now, had you had you heard of anyone else doing that, or was that just how, – how did you come up with that house hacking idea? Because for, for a lot of people, that's well, a fairly new thing.
3: Well, it wasn't – at the time, it wasn't a term. It just – I felt like, okay, I'm a single guy. Yep. I had a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. Why not rent out this space that I'm not even using? Wow. It's just, it was a conversation sense for me. I said, you know, this is what I'm going to do to make extra money instead of working a part-time job. Right. So I was like all right this is what I'm going to do I'm just, but I'm going to make sure I make good use of this money so I'm going to save it and try to maybe invest down the future down the road. Wow, that's, yeah. That's,
1: that's really
2: cool. Yes. Really cool. Yes, I like that a lot. So tell us a little bit more. So so you are doing the house hacking before you get married are you still um acquiring additional properties or did did you do that after you all were married or
3: No, so at that time when I first bought this house um, that was a little closer to my job, When I, that t- the job that I took, I was like, you know what? After I filed my first um, my taxes, when I filed my taxes after I bought my second property, I was like, wait a minute, my tax refunds are way bigger. Uh. And I learned a lot more about all the write-offs that I could get. So from there, I said, you know what? I need to get a little bit more into this because I want to try to reduce my tax liabilities all the way down even further to zero if possible. And so that's what got us started. So I bought my second house in 2013. And then after that, the next one was in 2013.
1: Wow. So and two two in 2013. Yes. That's, that's cool. what we did. So, so, so that was number three then for you. Yes. In 2015. Yes. That was number three. That's okay. correct. And I'm sorry, uh, Jen, I cut you off.
0: No, I was just going to say as far as um, real estate is concerned. So, um, Jeremy was the one that kind of I guess the brains behind the operation if you will um, so just to tell you a little bit about me like I've pretty much been in school my whole life like we're seven years apart I'm a physical therapist so of course that comes with that well I'm not trying to get a- ahead of the questions but it comes with that and things of that sort so he was kind of um, the one to just explain more about like real estate and building like passive income so that's kind of you know
1: the history background. behind that, if you will. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh So now, uh, what year did you did you all get together? I know we're around yeah. 2015 now, so you all got together when? Yeah, we met in
0: 2014. Okay. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: Yeah. And so we got married in 2017. Like, 17.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So now. Uh, I know you say you were an accidental landlord that kind of got your feet wet. Did you at any point get some education in real estate before you acquired like uh, house number two and three, or did you just kind of, just kind of freestyle it?
3: Well, let's take it back just a little bit. So before I bought the house in 2007, before the great recession happened, uh, there was a book that sparked my interest called uh, why we want you to be rich. Mm. With Robert Kiyosaki and uh, Donald Trump, have y'all heard of it? Yes,
1: I have heard of that
3: book. So I haven't, this, read, it haven't read it though. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is this was in 2006 before Donald Trump became a politician. Gotcha. I read the book and he was talking about how they don't. I mean, about how they don't pay any taxes. I was like, wait, how do y'all not pay any taxes? This is crazy. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't understand. And I read the book, and that was spark my interest to even get a house to begin with because I was living in an apartment before then. Gotcha. So after I read that book, that was the first thing I said I was going to do: just buy a house. And that, yeah, that's really what what just got me started. Wow, that book. And back then, um, have y'all? I'm taking y'all heard of the Bigger Pockets? Uh, yes, black That didn't exist back then, and YouTube still was up and coming. Like a lot of the resources weren't on YouTube to that degree, like it is now today. So, uh, just reading these books uh, is what really got us started. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's amazing.
2: That's great. And so one of our questions was around mentorship. So did you have a mentor or did you kind of navigate, uh, through, uh, your real estate ventures, um, together or by yourself?
3: Uh, have y'all heard of the RIA, the real estate investment groups? Yes. So yes. We, that's really where, uh, the I, so I was going, I was attending a lot of those and they were doing like every Tuesday and, you know, they would talk about wholesaling, buying, hold, flipping, whatever you ran into. uh, they, they, they always had some type of special keynote speaker to come and just lecture about that stuff. And you had and a bunch of other investors were there as well. Yeah. So we would just bounce ideas off each other. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of investors say that those real estate, uh, groups and meetups, you know, are, are really instrumental in them gaining that knowledge. And so, yeah, I mm-hmm. recommend that to you know, folks listening, you, they're usually, like you said, in, in your local area there, they are. meetups always happening. So definitely. definitely that's cool.
3: And if you, and if you look on bigger pockets um, on their forum, you can just Google and you'll find, they always have investors on there that will tell you where their local meetups are at
1: yeah. as well. That's great. That's great. So, so now let me ask you all. So we got the, the accidental property. Mm-hmm. So when you on your, on your first investment, how did you get that like uh logistically? Was it a uh, conventional loan? Did you did you did you like like how did that deal did conventional? That conventional. Gotcha. The, the the 20%
3: down we had to put down. Uh, yeah, that's why I would say we did it. And of course we had when I was house hacking to begin with, I, that's what I was saving all that money for, was gotcha. to come up with the down payment and any disposable uh income I had left over, I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take this and save it on top of the tax returns and as soon as I get 20%, I'm going to try to find that property.
2: Man, that's great. I know. That was yeah. one of our questions was to ask you all about um, the down payment because that, for a lot of people, was a huge barrier um, mm-hmm. coming up with that 20%. So, Do you have any, any strategies or, or how, how are you two able to navigate that in general?
0: Well, besides saving one, um, when we would get, like, our tax return back, then we would put, like, a portion aside or, you know, save a portion of that to put towards it.
3: And the thing is, too, once you accumulate enough properties, those tax returns become so big that you don't have to make much effort to even get the 20%.
1: Right, right. And that's key, to using that tax return for more than just, you know, balling out. (laughs) Right.
3: (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. You got to make it work for you. You Got to make it work for you.
1: That's good. That's good. Definitely um so now did you all invest locally uh i know we're gonna further along in the story we're gonna talk about out, investing out of state and things like that but were these properties pretty local pretty uh close together uh jeremy
3: well by default the first two properties because right. yeah those two properties mm-hmm. so we have and, one in north Cross and then one in Mableton, uh georgia
1: got you got you yeah so the out of state investing, at which number of property did you decide, you know what, I'm going to try to do, uh, you know, go out of state and, and do that?
3: Number uh, yeah, three, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. So one in South Carolina, because uh, it was close to home. Um, family members can keep an eye on the property. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? And plus, it was affordable. Because, so, you know, we're talking at the time, because this was still during a recession yeah. $68,000. Wow.
1: Yeah. Cause that, you know, that was going to be our next question was, you know, what do you, cause we get this question a lot. It's like, well, what are the benefits, you know, of investing out of state? Is it, is it, is it scary? You know, people are kind of fearful of that, right? but you pretty much said you did it, you know, where family was in the area. And, and so some of the benefits were, it was more affordable. Were there any other benefits to, uh, you know, heading out of state and doing it that way?
3: Not well for South Carolina, you know, because I was familiar with the area, I said, you know what, we're just going to buy one in South Carolina. But when we got into Alabama, um, the taxes are way cheaper yeah. than they are in South Carolina. South Carolina has a the taxes are very high, but you can still make it work if you buy the price. I mean, if you buy the house at the right price, right? right. But in Alabama, the prices were just so cheap. And I'm talking about, you can buy a house back then. Well, this was still during recession, right? Because, things didn't really start taking off until like I think 2017 ish, mm-hmm. where prices just started skyrocketing. Yes. But before that point you could buy a house and you didn't have to overpay for it.
0: Mm-hmm. You didn't have to, um, what's the other thing? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember what else
3: was going on at that time. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: I know, like you're saying, it it used to be a lot more affordable, uh,
3: then- right? So you could what you could do was there were a bunch of homes that were listed that didn't need any work. I'm talking AC was done. I mean, it was was brand new. The roof, uh, right. the plumbing, the electrical, and on top of all that, you could negotiate the price. Wow, you can't really do that these days, right? Yeah. At this time, right? You couldn't do that. Yeah, and so that I said, you know what? we're going to take a chance and just buy a house in Birmingham. And here's a fun fact. We've never stepped foot into the house that we bought in Birmingham.
2: Okay. You have to tell us more about that.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) But we, okay. So I read a book from bigger pockets and I can't remember the name of the top of my head, but it was about investing out of town and what I realized was uh, in the book, what he was saying, what the author was saying is that there's no point for you to even go in the house because especially if you're not a contractor, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. So what you right. want to do is find you a home inspector that you trust and find you a real estate investor that you trust. Mm-hmm. So we had this whole format where we'll say, okay, if we find, we run the numbers and if we like the numbers, we'll send it to the property manager that we find. And we say, hey, this is the house we're looking at investing in. What are your thoughts? Do you like the area? Do you not like the area? And one of the things I want to tell the listeners is that you want to do it that way because it's in their best interest to give you the best information because they don't make money if they don't give you the right information, right? Wow, because yeah, because yeah, it's 10% of, of the uh, the rent. Yep. So, <clears throat> But with this particular house, since everything was done, my home inspector went in. He says this house is great. He doesn't find anything wrong with it. I said, well, you know what? That's good enough for me." Yeah. The real estate investor said it looks good. Uh, the home inspector said it looks good, and the property manager was satisfied. So for me, I okay, I say, "Well, I don't plan to live there. I don't see a point
1: in going in." Right. Right. Wow. So, that's that's some serious nuggets there.
2: Okay. <laughs> so let me make sure I heard you right. Do you say um, uh, another investor, maybe an investor in that area, would go to to the house?
1: Uh, property manager. Property, yeah, manager. Property, oh, okay. no,
2: property manager okay yeah. i'm about to say I, okay <laughs> that would be cool too but okay wonderful
1: but that makes sense though because uh i heard this comic say it's like it's like when when your car breaks down and men we pop that hood it's like unless there's a button that says off and on like i don't know what i'm looking at you know I'm <laughs> right <laughs> so with the for, house. Like, I,
3: don't, I don't know what i'm at. i'm not a contractor i'm a right. insurance adjusting right so right. i don't you know, so what's important is do the numbers make sense? Can yeah. we rent this house out at the number that we're trying to get? And if so, then that's it. Man. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. And so um, do you use property management, um, like services for, for each of your properties or are you doing some do. on your own? Okay. Dude.
3: No, no, no. <laughs> Our tenants do not know we exist. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, so good. They and and I like know. that. Yeah, you yeah. do not know. Yeah, I like
1: that. And I noticed one thing I noticed, Jeremy, is like, you guys are real low key. You know, Jeremy hit me on the real, hey, what's up? You know, um, yeah. real cool with it. You know, and I like that. I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to move like that going forward. <laughs>
0: right now.
1: I like that. Um, so you hit some of the benefits of, of uh, investing out of state. What what were some of the...
2: Lessons. Yeah,
1: lessons that you learned, if 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 there were any. Oh, wow. So... <clears throat>
3: One of the biggest ones I've learned now when the house I bought in South Carolina, uh, the realtor that I had, she told me to, we, so there was some touch-up work that needed to be done, uh, paint, so uh, deep cleaning, nothing major. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we learned was she well, she told me that we need to put stainless steel appliances in this property. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, okay. Now I'm still, I feel like I'm a newbie at this point still. And I said, okay. So I put these stainless steel appliances in. But what I realized was that you don't have to do that to get the same amount of rent. Mm-hmm. So anything that you don't, I mean, that you have in the house, like, like you, that you have to have toilets. you have to have, you know, but in Alabama, you don't have to have appliances in there. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the renters put those in. But in South Carolina, it's different. Got you. Yeah. And so what I realized is that I should have just went with black or white appliances instead because they're cheaper. Cause it's all about the cash flow and what we can retain, right? Yeah. So that was one of the things I learned is just do the bare minimum in these properties, unless you're in a high-end A plus kind of area. Yeah. But the I'm we're in the C class area mm-hmm. of properties, right? So what does that mean for us? Decent school districts, no crime, blue-collar hardworking class areas that's what we look for.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some good, good advice. And, uh, you know, we do the same. We are kind of in the C plus, you know, kind of, you know, range there. And you learn that, uh, we went, went into it, you know, uh, luckily our real estate investor was like, he would give us advice. And so I was like, does this need to be changed? And he's like, you know, get a renter in there first. And if they think, if they want to, you know, if they're not happy with it, they'll let you know. It's like okay, because right. we go into it just thinking ah, we got to make this look, you know, and really yeah. a renter just wants a, a home that they can raise a family in, you know,
3: right. So. And also, if you're going with a property manager, just take their advice, right? As far as and I, I didn't listen to the property manager; I listened to the real estate agent. Gotcha. And that's really not their niche. That's not their forte, right? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. Some good nuggets there.
3: One other thing I wanted to say now that I thought about this is the insurance. I learned this the hard way. So the house in Columbia, South Carolina that I bought, a tree fell on this house. Now in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, this tree is through, it went straight through the house. This is going to cost tens of thousands of dollars. Immediately let me get the insurance company on the phone. I must inform them of what's going on.
0: Yeah.
3: And the adjuster goes out there. He's like, hey, um, we'll send you a check, but you're only talking about $3,000 worth of work I was like oh the the deductible that we had is Mm $2,500 right so they basically sent me a check for $500 now here's yes so here's what I learned when we started looking for other properties in other states when we would get quotes those uh those agents told us that look these quotes are going to be a lot higher because we have to take into consideration the property that you filed a claim on in South Carolina. Mm. And it stays with you for three years. So had I known that ahead of time, we just would have just fixed pay for it ourselves as opposed to just filing a claim. Wow, right? That's, that's good. Yeah. And one other thing I learned about that, too, is just run it by your agent first before you just call the insurance company um, okay. and speak to an adjuster. Because okay. then they can give you advice on, on what to do.
1: Because their job is to keep your rates low yeah yeah this, this is some great stuff jeremy stuff we didn't even
2: <laughs> right have not even thought about yeah. i mean sometimes you just don't know until like you're in that uh that situation yeah Um.
1: now i do want to slide in and ask this jeremy while okay. we're there we get a lot of questions about the llc piece should i get an llc some people want to get an llc before they get their first house what's your thoughts on the insurance and the llc because in doing my research i've found that if, you, if you're if you insured properly, you know, it, you really don't really need to get an LLC until you're, you know, dealing with large amounts of real estate. But what's your take on that? I,
3: same thing. Same thing you just said. In fact, we just have an umbrella policy. Gotcha. Uh, umbrella policy is for a million dollars, so many $30,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we don't own the houses outright, we never did an LLC. Yeah. Uh, down the road, because of the amount of properties we're planning on getting, we're, we're going to look into that as we pay them off. Uh, but yeah, we don't have an LLC.
1: That's that's good. That's good advice.
2: Okay. I have another question. Yeah, okay. So story. say someone's listening and they're just like, oh my goodness, I need to get into real estate. I need to, uh, I have to, I'm not going to keep sitting on the sidelines. Um, can you give some tips for how a person might know that they found um, a good house? So like, how do you know that you found a good deal? Like what are a few things that you look for?
3: The biggest thing that i can i can say is that you must learn how to run the numbers first and foremost before you do anything learn how to run the numbers because if you get that wrong you get everything wrong right you got to learn how to run the numbers um but as far as where we try to find our houses um back to that format that i that i was saying as far as the, the certain areas the reason why I try to stick to the C-class areas because of our price range. We were trying to buy houses that were a hundred thousand or 200,000. We were trying to acquire as many as we could for the cheapest price. Right. And that would give us probably the lower, probably the the best outcome um, with our renters. Right. Because if you, if you invest in a, in in a a low class area, more than likely you're going to have a lot of problems. Yeah. Right. But of course, if you invest in in the A-class areas, you may not have as many problems, you'll get a better quality tenant, so forth and so on. So um, that's the biggest thing that I can say is, is just learning how to run the numbers, understand the 1% rule. Yes. yes. And just for people that don't, under, that, that listen, they don't know what the 1% rule is just for instance, let's say you buy a house for $80,000 there. You want to at least make $800 in rent. Mm-hmm. That's what they consider to be
1: the 1% rule. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's a good gauge to know if, if it's even something you pursue. You should pursue. If, if you don't not get that one percent, may want to look elsewhere. So Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's I do great. yeah, definitely. Uh now, Sean, did you have any other any other questions? I have that, that last one, but
2: Yeah, I mean uh, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and um just kind of get your thoughts about how the pandemic has impacted you as a real estate investor and how has it changed your views or if it has changed your views. And I'm asking this question because, um, I came across an article on, um, I think it was urban.org. And it was a survey that found that, that black and Hispanic landlords are, are struggling at higher rates to pay their mortgages. And despite their struggles, um, black and Hispanic landlords are more likely to work with a tenant to help them to stay in the home. So it's like uh, landlords of color are generally more uh, generous and willing to work with folks um, as compared to those who are not. Um, but I just wanted to to pick your brain. I know we have some some thoughts on it as well, but how has the pandemic and like even the things that are going on with the, um, what do they call them? I always get my memos. Moratorium.
3: Yeah, Moratoriums, moratorium.
2: right. <laughs> Like, I, I just give us your honest thoughts. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, I think he's the exception to the rule when it comes to that.
3: <laughs> hey, man, I...
0: is a no, it's a no nonsense policy. Right?
3: Yeah. So you, um, what I've learned early is that you have to be no nonsense, right? Fortunately, we haven't been impacted by the pandemic. That's good. Uh, only in one of our properties was uh, the lady, uh, one of our tenants, she was late on the rent one month, but she caught up and it's been smooth sales ever since. But uh, there was a saying I learned from this uh, old, old landlord. He told me this, he said, if you give a Red a cookie, he will later come back and ask for a glass of milk. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, The the way I see it, I understand this is hard times, but the thing is, is if my tenants are good to me, I try my best to be good to them. If there's a request for something to be fixed, I try to get it done as fast as I can within reason. Uh, But some people will not try to pay you. I mean, they they just won't pay you. They'll try to take advantage of that. I don't know if there was something on Instagram I saw the other day where a landlord said his tenant didn't pay for two years right? She didn't pay rent for two years. Now, he went in live with his camera and it was time to, to evict her, right? But her nails were done. She had an iPhone, right? I, <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, uh I'm willing to work with you if you're willing to work with me. I'm yes. willing to come down on the rent because after all, if the mortgage payment is significantly less, lower than your actual rent. So, right. just so we can get past this, I'm willing to let you stay in the property, but... You know, you got to yeah. be something, yeah. you know, because if not, then we have to take the loss. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, yeah you're going to have to be no nonsense. I, I, my, the property in South Carolina, when I first got it, uh, we had a tenant that was, um, the guy, I think he was roughly 28, 29. He was always late on the rent. Now I didn't mind him being late on the rent because he always paid the late fee. Yeah, That's we money we don't more. account for. That was cool. But then mm-hmm. he started getting even further behind. Uh, These tenants don't, like I said, they don't know that we exist, but I will look them up on Facebook to see <laughs> who they <laughs> are. Right. And at this time, he was a month behind, and I saw that he was literally eating lobster at Disneyland. <laughs> I was like, wait, so he can't pay rent, but he's eating lobster in Disneyland. Oh, man. Mm-mm. And you know, the younger generation, they love posting their lives, everything yeah. on, on Instagram. I was like, oh my God, like, are you serious right now? He, and I called the, uh, the the property manager I said, he has to go.
1: Yeah, he got to go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: got to, uh-uh. No, 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 no. So that's the thing I've learned is you have to be no nonsense because it, people will take advantage of you. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that's the way it is that you can't, you know, and, and let it be known up front, you know, mm. what the expectations are. Yeah
1: you know? Uh, yeah. I, I can, I can agree with that, man. I think like Shara said, we, we we're just forgiving people, right. Black and Brown people. We just, we you know, we got too much heart sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah.
3: yeah that hurt. Get you in trouble. Right. <laughs> it will get you in trouble. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Right. I think that that's good advice. Yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> we can leave it at yeah. that because
2: that's good advice.
1: Absolutely. So, so, so we want to know like what's next for, uh, for you both, you know, as far as real estate, what, what what's the ultimate goal, uh, with your real estate investing? I think the goal,
0: what do we say? 10, properties?
1: 10 to 15 properties
0: right. okay. is
3: what we were thinking. Yeah. Uh, just enough to net us between eight to 10 grand mm-hmm. passive income per month. You know, that's a comfortable number for us. We don't have to own the world or hundred properties of 50, you know, if we can make enough to pay all our bills and have a semi-leveraged lifestyle that that's good enough for us so that's what we're trying to get to so we don't pace to buy a property once every year year and a half is what we're trying to do that's
1: amazing you guys are well on your way man i mean
0: yes man, yes
1: it's, it's, it's gonna be there before you know it
3: <laughs>
0: right yeah and right. i don't
1: i
3: don't think i don't think shara knew this but y'all played a critical role in us getting our last house in montgomery Wow! Uh, because we've been following y'all's uh, podcast and, and YouTube page, and once I saw the job out the last property or the property before the last one you bought, yeah. uh, I said, "You know what? Let's take a look in Montgomery." And she yeah. went
0: to school out here. I went to
2: Alabama State. Oh, oh. That's so cool! Wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jeremy was telling me that offline, and uh, that uh, not to get too into details, but the house you guys ended up getting, I was like, "Man, I wanted that one." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I remember that one. That was a nice one." Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's great, man. That's great.
2: That's wonderful. I mean, we went down. We went well, we have two there. The first time I went down with him and we just ate, you know, we're up in California and I wanted to go and eat, and I found all the good eateries, soul food, food, fried (laughs) chicken, fried catfish. There's a lot of historical things that are there as well. So I was like, oh my goodness, I was was just blown away by just like the museums and the exhibits that they had. Mm -hmm. So so yeah. how has your experience been so far, you know, investing in that area?
3: Well, the, with the house in Montgomery, so we closed on that one in July. Um, one of the tenants, well, the, the first tenant, for whatever reason, uh, my property manager called me and told me that, hey, we got a tenant, they're moving in, and I forgot the date. But for whatever reason, they backed out. So we had to list the house again. Gotcha. And now we have a tenant moving in at uh, the beginning of September.
0: Okay, That's great. great. So,
3: That's great. Yeah, Yeah. and Uh we only step. And here's the funny thing: we, uh, because we did have the keys, Tisha took us to the house, the real estate agent, and we were we we walked in, but it was cloudy, it was in the evening, and the power was off, so we didn't really even get to see the house like we wanted to. (laughs) Right, right. But it would. But since we was real close by, we said, "Well, let's just stop by."
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And it's like just a hop and a skip away from Atlanta. I didn't know it was really that close. You know what I mean? Right. That's two and and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool, man. Well, thank you so much uh for being on the show. Uh we really appreciate it. I know you guys busy, got got little ones, so we don't want to hold you too long. But before we get out of here, can you tell uh, our listeners maybe if they're intrigued by your story and they want to you know see more or connect with you in any way that you feel comfortable, how can they reach out to you? Uh,
3: on Instagram uh J Lane J L A uh, N E one seven five. Cool.
1: Yeah, you can you
3: can reach me on there. Uh, There is one last thing I want to share with the listeners. For anybody, I understand, you know, trying to come up with 20% can be challenging. But what I encourage everybody to do is get the knowledge first, because that's free. You know, Um, Bigger Pockets uh, podcast, episode 200. I tell a lot of people to listen to that one because it gives a full layout Mm -hmm. on what you should be doing if you want to go the buy and hold route. So get the knowledge that's more valuable than the actual 20% anyway, because the more, you know, the less mistakes you're going to make.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: That's that's great. What, so that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's great right there. We really appreciate that. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're going to get on out of here for Marcus, uh, for Black Mary, Day free. This is Marcus and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. And we're going to okay. holler at y'all on the next episode.
0: Peace.
2: Bye. <laughs> Bye.